so I don't know how to do this so well. Remember the old little thing we used to do for the kids? We said, like, uh, this is the church. Do you know it? This is the church. This is the, pe- this is the steeple. Wait, wait, these are the doors. These are the steeple. Open the doors, and they're the people. Okay. I butchered it, but some of you guys know it. Um, it was a clever nursery rhyme that we would tell the kids and, and, and show the kids about, you know, just being church. And this was like a, a very um, innocent or child way of showing church community in some form, you know? Um, the thing is, the thing is that although it was fun and simple to teach kids about church and things like that, um, the wiggly finger church members, right, um, have they become too content among themselves? Have, have our church people, us, have we gotten real comfortable with us? Right? You know, um, have our well-lit sanctuaries, especially now because we got like extra lights, right? Remember? Have our well-lit sanctuaries become the preferred place where, as believers, we get to let our light shine, but in church, amongst each other, amongst our own Welcome back to sermon, uh, our sermon series, Story Time, where we are digging into the parables of Jesus. And uh, today, we'll be looking at the parable of the lamp under a bushel. Some versions say basket, right? I want us to turn this morning to Luke chapter 8, verse 16. Luke chapter 8, verse 16 through 18. Luke chapter 8. 8, 16 to 18. It says, no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. A lamp is, a pl- is placed on a stand where, it c- where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to all light, to light and made known to all. So pay attention to how you hear. What was Dennis's title a couple weeks ago? Can you hear? So it says, now pay attention to how you hear, to those who listen to my teaching. More understanding will be given, but for those who are not listening, even what they think even though even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Thank you, Lord. Now, we could we could choose to dissect this little by little, but today I was just kind of wanted to have a different approach to the parable in talking about this parable, but um I wanted to bring some some fuller context to uh what is going to uh the context of our sermon for today, and I got to ask some questions first. First one is, first, what is the church? What is the church? And who are the people? We said this is the church and these are the people, right? But what truly is a church and who are the people? Um, The Bible never refers to the church as this building. Never, never does it do that. Um, believers are the church. Who's a believer this morning? Look around. That's the church. That's the church. All those wiggly fingered church members represent the blood bought body of Christ whether we're inside a small church, a big church, stained glass windows, no windows. It doesn't matter if we're on the side of a grassy hill at a park, which we've done in the past. I've, I've done park church services on a Sunday, which was pretty neat. 
it doesn't matter where you are at, right? It's, it's the believers that are the church. All born-again Christians knit together, right, as part of one spirit, uh, one hope, faith, baptism, and one body where Christ is the head. We take a look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. It says, For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. God's purpose for establishing the church here on earth was to equip, equip his people for the works of service, build them up, and unify them in faith, in faith, and grow them in the knowledge of Christ. So think about it. We are the church. We are here. We are, we are here to be built up. Sometimes people say, and I've heard this a million times in my life, like, Pastor, you know, I'm saved, but I don't really need church. Right? I really don't need the actual building. I don't need to go in there because, they, and they'll say this, the building is not the church. We're the church. And I say, okay, you're right. As believers, we are the church. But there's, a, but there's, a, there's, there's purpose in coming together. There's, there, there's purpose in coming together. We're here to, to build one another up, right, and to, become, to get equipped. Sometimes if we're honest, especially we all know during the COVID phase where we all had to be home, right, and we all had to watch on TV or on your phone, how many times were you interrupted in the middle of service? How many times did a text message come through, a phone call come through, or you decide, or you fell asleep watching when you're, on, when you're laying in bed? Because, hey, you, I told you guys, you can lay in bed and watch service. Yeah, well, some of y'all would lay in bed and fall back to sleep. <laughs> there is nothing like coming in person, being with one another, um, being unified in faith. You know what it means to be unified in faith? That, that, that we come together all knowing and believing in the one true God, having faith in Jesus Christ together. Sometimes one may have a little doubting season, but then because my sister is by me, my brothers are by me, it's like, you know what? Wait, no, no, I've been through that, but you know what? We, we can get through this. The Bible says, his word says, and, and, and it brings us together and we can walk this faith with one another. As long as the earth remains, Christ will be at work maturing, refining, and preparing his church for our heavenly role as his pure and spotless bride. Let's turn to um, John 8, chapter 12. And it says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Light? What is this light? What is a Christian's light? How can I let it shine? Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. How? You know, the symbolism the symbolism between light and darkness, right? It goes beyond just Christianity. It's not just because we see it in the Bible, we talk about light and dark. It goes beyond that. Other religions, you look at music, look at art forms. If you look at all types of different cultures and all sorts of um, uh, different things, we, they have used the imagery of lightness and darkness to represent good and bad good and evil, right? This is not news to anybody. We know that throughout all of time, in different categories of life, light and dark, good and evil. 
But, but, there's a major difference between God's light and the light that's depicted in the culture of today's world, right? Because you see, we talked about the light means good and dark means bad. But John 1, 1, 5 tells me that this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Our God doesn't symbolize light. He is light. Do you, un- do you understand? Some people are like, well, I don't see what the big difference. No, no, he doesn't, he doesn't just symbolize what good could be or what perfection could be. He is light. He is good. He is perfect. He is flawless. He is. Do you understand? Because sometimes we have things that can represent something, and sometimes they don't really line up to everything. God sent Jesus into a dark, sin-filled world, right? So that he could be the light. The source of all truth and life. When we accept him as our Lord and Savior, a major transition happens in each and every one of us. You know, um, what happens is the consequences of sin just didn't affect one or two people. The consequences of sin brought darkness and, and, and evil and all the, you know, we think of like the smoke, like, you know, the soot and the, and the dirt and all that stuff. Like, like, it surrounded us all and we became a part of that. Like we too, we too are, are uh, full of darkness. Oh, we were. Because what happens is when, the, when Jesus Christ comes into uh, a person's soul, he takes up residence in here. You know how you guys have seen the, the plays and um, now I, I see, I see our, our Living Word family from my childhood, they're here today too. And I remember one of, the, one of our talent shows, there was a skit one time of a man waiting for Jesus to come into his house. And, and, and so he was waiting, he cleaned up the house and he, he's waiting, he's waiting and the, the knock and it was someone who says, hey, I just need like a, a cup of milk. And he's like, okay, out of here, I'm waiting for Jesus to come by. And then somebody else came and he's like, okay, oh, I get some sugar. I like, get out of here, don't you know I'm waiting for Jesus to come by? And then like finally after like four or five different people, um, he was praying and I guess God spoke to him and says, hey, hey, I thought you were coming over. He's like, I did. I came over for milk, and you turned me away. I came over for sugar, and you turned me away. I came, and, 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 and I'm reminded of that just thinking about how Christ wants to take up residence in our hearts. The thing is that when he does, when he finally, when we finally let him in and we bring him in, what he does is he makes sure that the place is spick and span. Like, he can't be in filth, you know? Um, one thing that I love about my wife I love so much about my wife is how much she likes to clean. And I say that because sometimes the house is already clean. And she just feels the need to move things, especially things that I put somewhere, to then clean again. But guess what? When we, when we invite Christ into our hearts, like when he, we invite him into our lives and he takes up residence in here, all the, especially this week, you know how we had the black, bad air quality and they said stay inside because you can just breathe that in and all that soot and smog and stuff goes into your lungs. Well, what happens is we've been living in this world of sin and darkness and evil and we before Christ, we're a part of all that, right? And so we're breathing that, we're living that, all that has filled our lungs. And one day we say, Christ, 
Come into my heart. I accept you. He goes in there and he's like, all right, well, uh, this got to get clean, this clean. And he starts to clean all that filth and sut out and create a space where he can sit comfortably in you. When we do that, we are no longer darkness. We were once in darkness, but we're no longer darkness. Ephesians 5.8 says, for, you were, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. You know what's funny about Bible verses? It's funny is how some people cut some Bible verses in half, right? It's kind of funny. You know, we don't do that here at Lighthouse. We don't cut them in half. We say the whole thing, right? But for once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. And some people will leave it right there and say, I was once darkness, and now I'm full of light, and I'm the light, and blah, blah, blah. And they, they feel good about that. And they leave out the part where the word continues, and, and, he, and it gives us a commandment. It, that's more like an order. Like, that's not a suggestion. That's not a, well, if you want to. It says, so live as people of light. And there's an exclamation point after it. Like, they want you to get it. Like, God wants you to get it. So it's like, okay, I'm no longer dark. I'm now filled with the light. I am, I'm lightness now, and I'm not in darkness, but I'm supposed to live like something different than what I was before. Before I was in darkness, now I'm in light, and I'm being told to live as people of light. So there should be a life change in us. What's happening today in uh, Western culture, modern Christianity, unfortunately, is that that, that that part, we're failing in that part of being different of living differently. We, 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 want, we want to push salvation as far as like just accept Christ or say this prayer, but we don't preach about holiness or reverence or, or, or what is expected of us to live as disciples of Christ. Because what happens is you can't track those numbers. I'm sorry. You, you can't track numbers when it comes to that. But... Um, Play with me. Play along with me. Who wants to accept Christ? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We have seven salvations today. Who wants to, the, the, uh, who wants to do um, uh, baptize right now? Who wants to get baptized? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine. We got 20 baptisms. All right, and we start writing down, and we put it on the internet. We put it all over the world, and we're so we're boasting of the numbers of these things. But what? how can you track life change? How can you track when people in their private homes were once abusing their spouses or their children are now not doing that and now loving them and embracing them? How can we track when people had a, uh, private addictions and now are being set free from the addictions that they were doing when no one was seen in the first place? How can you track all that? So therefore, we don't talk about it. That's not a big deal for some. But if, it's, but, if we're, but if we're not talking about that, then what good is all the numbers? Why do I care if 300 people said that they would accept Christ? But then 298 of them to then do the same things they were doing in the first place and have no life change in the first, at all, period. We are to live as people of light, church, there is a difference. When we come to Christ, we accept Christ, we receive him, we're never going to be perfect, we're still going to fall short, but like, we, like our conversation one time, I remember my wife told me, she's like, she's like, well, I'm not a sinner. I'm like, babe, we all sinners. What are you talking about? And we went, we had this little debate at home, right? She's like, I'm not a sinner. You, you want to be a sinner, you be a sinner, but I'm not. And I'm like, babe, we all fall short. She said, yeah, we all fall short, but I'm not a sinner. I'm like, babe, where you getting at? I don't know who you've been watching on YouTube or something, but I'm going to have to sit you down. I'm going to have to sit you down and give you a little. She's like, babe, babe, when I accepted Christ, I became a saint. I became a saint. And do I fall short? Yes. But I am no longer holding the title of sinner. I am having the title of saint, and I still fall short. 
I was like, okay. I was like, okay, baby. All right. I get it. I was like, why don't you preach next Sunday? <laughs> Where should be a change when we become children of God? We should not be living the same. And some of us, you know what? Some of us want to change. And we find ourselves still doing the same things. And so if you find yourself accepting Christ, but then still struggling with those, some of the same things that have held you down for so long, I want you to just, just in your own mind, do a self-reflection. How much time are you surrounding yourself with people that actually care about your salvation? Wow. I'm going to tell you something right now. I understand that we're not always going to be around everyone that believes in Christ. As a matter of fact, we're mentioning how we need to be in the world so they can see the light, right? I, I, I get that. But if you are new in this walk with God, if you're new, you're brand new, and you want to serve him, but there's all this stuff that's taking your attention and your eyes off of Jesus, then you have to evaluate the circle that you're in. Who are you spending the most time with? Are they helping, pointing you to Christ? Or they're like, church, today? Come on, it's nice outside. Let's go to the beach. It's going to be 85 degrees. Some of y'all at the beach right now probably. <laughs> the only one who I know is not at the beach and watching us online is Cookie. Cookie is our faithful online poster child right there. There should be change. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't know, if you don't know yet, it's crucial that you learn this today, that um, the light inside every believer, the light inside of each and every one of us, right, has nothing to do with our efforts to do good. Because then some people will take it like, oh, if I just do good works, if I just do good works, if I just do good works, then there's a light in me, you know, this and that. It's the, it has nothing to do with your own good works or how good you are, you know, um, or how much you spread good into the world. The light inside every believer is because directly as a result of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, he's chosen He's chosen to inhabit. He's chosen to inhabit our weak human bodies. And some of y'all don't like to be called weak. We have weak human bodies, right? Um, he, he's, he's chosen to, to, to dwell inside of us to show that his power, that his surpassing power is from God and not us. It's from God. It's not something that we do. And what happens is this same power from God enables us, enables us to live in a way that reveals his light in a sin-darkened world. We can't do that. We just can't do it on our own. Matthew 5.16 says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. It doesn't, verse doesn't say, do, you know, let your good deeds show how good you are. <laughs> let people be happy with you or proud of you of all the good things that you've done. It doesn't say any of that. It says, let your good deeds shine for all to see, but so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. This was the problem with a lot of Pharisees back in the day because they didn't, they didn't do the good deeds to plead, you know, for God to get the glory. They did the good deeds so they can seem righteous, so they can seem like, you know, like they got it all together and almost, you know, just separate themselves from, you know, the, the peasants and everyone else that wasn't like them. You know, oh, no, no, look at all the good I've done. And the more good that I do, the more, you know, uh, um, God will be happy with me or something like that. But it never pointed, it never pointed to praising God. 
Let your light shine before others so that the world will see, well, will praise your heavenly Father. You know that that's a, there's a huge difference there between deeds that are done so that God can be praised or deeds that are done pridefully so that you can get the glory. And a lot of times, a lot of times, um, there's, a, uh, there's a level of frustration when we are doing the good for us that sits, sets in as opposed to if we were doing that good for, for him to get the glory, for Christ to get the glory. What happens is when we do things for us, when we do things for me to get the glory, and it's not going the way I want it to go, or people are not acknowledging me, or people are not giving me the, oh, good job, Pastor, then what happens is I get angry, I get frustrated, I don't want to do this anymore, I don't, because I was, it was all for the wrong reasons in the first place. But if I'm doing all this, and I could care less if you see me. I could care less if you say I did a good job or not. I could care less. I'm doing all this knowing that I'm, 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 I'm being the light and he will get the glory. So for some of us that are living frustrate, uh, frustratedly, <laughs> so for some of us that are frustrated, um, because of things like that, think about the motive of why we do things in the first place. I know that if I had it my way, we would all be doing something and everyone would have a role to play, but I would never want anyone to serve in the church for wrong reasons. I don't want, I don't want, I'd rather, I'd rather nobody serve than we have people serving for the wrong reasons. Anyways, anyways, <clears throat> what, does a Christian's, what does a Christian's life look like when Christ shines through? Okay, we're talking about this light. We know that Jesus is the light. I, I can't make it. I can't fabricate it. I can't take credit for it. It's Jesus. He's in me. He's the light. But, 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 but how does it shine through? Like, what does it look like when it shines through, right? Apostle Paul, he gives us a glimpse, of the, a glimpse of this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 9. It says this. He says, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. So if there's a light in me, that is Jesus, then what should be per, coming out is good, right, and true things. Right? Makes sense so far? Makes sense? John also provided a way for us to self-evaluate ourselves to check if we're living Christ-lit lives. Right? And we find that in 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. It says, if anyone claims I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. What John is saying is, go check yourself. <laughs> because if you hate anyone who calls himself a believer, then you're not living in light. Oh, I'm not going to get into this this morning. I want you all to write that down, text it to yourselves, we'll do whatever you need to do. And pray on this, meditate, chew on it throughout the whole week. Repent, give it over to God, speak with the individuals you need to speak with, and let's move on. Because the, the word is clear. It says you are not in the light if you hate a fellow believer. <clears throat> How can a Christian's light become hidden? We talked about the parable is pretty much saying like you don't take a lamp or a candle and, and put it under a basket where no one will see it. You got to put it up on a hill or on a stand so everyone can see the light. That's what we want, right? So what happens is, well, well I mean, if we're Christians and God is in us, you know, it's, we're, we're going to be shining. You know? How can your, your lamp, your light be hidden? 
Matthew 5.15 says, no one puts a lamp and then puts it under a basket or, you know, hides it, right? Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone. Baskets, bowls, bushels, uh, beds, different versions say all these different things, but it pretty much means all the same thing. Uh, it remains constant within the, you know, the, the context of it. Christ didn't give us a light for his believers to hoard the truth, right? When we, yo, that show Hoarders, have you ever seen the show Hoarders? If anyone in the church right now is a hoarder, like that, we want to pray with you and we're going to send a team out to help you out. It's not healthy for you. Listen, um, I saw episodes where people were collecting a bunch of things with the purpose of giving it out, but then never gave it out. You see what I'm saying? Like, God doesn't give us this light within us so then for us to then hide it and tuck it away for no one else to see it. The bushel, a bushel, metaphorically speaking, is, is like a barrier, a barrier, any type of barrier that keeps this light from shining into the world. All right, I want to tell you guys a quick story. A young girl once consulted in a, in a minister with, a, with a pastor, and she says, I can't stick it out any longer. I'm the only Christian at my job. Anybody? 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 Okay. I know we had those conversations. I'm the only Christian in my job. You know, and, and, and every day I get made fun of, they, all the jokes, taunts, and sneers. It's more than I can stand. I'm going to quit. I'm going to resign. And the pastor, the pastor said, um, I have a quick question. Where, where are the lights placed in your, in your job? She's like, what, do you not hear me while I'm talking? Pastor, I said... I'm the only Christian, and I'm quitting. He's like, just answer my question. Where are the lights placed? She's like, well, we have light bulbs in all the dark areas of the factory. Yes, and that's why you have been placed in that factory, because there is such a spiritual darkness there, and where there is no other Christian to shine for the Lord. Like, like, like he goes, it's... It, that's why you're there. You put a light bulb in a place where it's dark so that you can bring light into darkness. The young Christian woman realized for the first time that the opportunity was hers. She felt she could not fail God by allowing her light to go out. So she went back to the factory with this renewed determination to let her light shine in that dark corner. Before long, she was the, uh, she had led nine other girls to Christ. Sometimes these bushels, these barriers, come in the form of fleshly barriers, like fear, pride, complacency, doubt. Fear says, I can't, I can't talk to people about God. Like, I can't, I can't, I don't, I don't even know what to say. You know, I don't want to offend nobody. I don't want to risk my career, you know, I, I, my reputation, my social status. Yo, I got, I, I got clout. I got people. I start talking about Jesus. All of a sudden, you know, they're not going to want to hang out with me anymore. And so this fear becomes the, 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 the bushel where now you are hiding the light of Christ because of fear of all these things. The gospel, look, it may offend some people and seem foolish to others, but the Holy Spirit will use, will, will, will use God's word to draw all who believe to the Father. You just got to be a mouthpiece. Pride is another, another barrier. Pride is another bushel. The, word, like the, the world is evil, right? And time is short. We know this, right? Um, some people feel like unbelievers get what they deserve. They're, they're mean people anyway. They're evil people anyway. So this pride, and, 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 and listen, there's something called, well, I'm not into this. Some people are very, um, some people, and, and I, don't, I hate using this term because it confuses some people, but there is religiosity in people that has nothing to do with relationship with Christ. It has all to do with, like, the way the Pharisees lived right? And so what happens is you have these people that are full of this religious spirit walking around like the Pharisees did, high and holy, and they look at everybody else like, uh, I don't need him. He, he deserves to be out there. He deserves to burn in hell. 
He deserves, I mean, you, you have people that think that way. I'm not going to share the gospel with Justin. Why? Why? He cheated on his taxes every year. He, he should go to hell anyway. You see what I'm saying? And so there's this level of pride that becomes a bushel and you keep the light of Christ. Well, I don't know. At that point, I don't even know if you got the light of Christ in you. But, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a barrier. Complacency. Complacency is, is, is taking us by storm. I just don't have the time. I don't feel like it. I'm comfortable. You know, like, I mean, I, I, there's no parking out there. I got to drive. I got to park on Venango and walk two blocks. Like, there's so many things, you know. Um, we say, at the same time, I don't, they're not really interested in the truth. They don't really want to hear from me. You know, um, you know, evangelism is not my gift. <laughs> All sorts of things, Right? that become a bushel from spreading the gospel. We have those that deal with doubt. I mean, who am I to tell someone else that their way to God is wrong? Like, why would I tell them that? I mean, who am I to tell them that? What if, I mean, what if, you know, I mean, hey, if God is merciful, won't he save everyone in the end anyway? I mean, we have people that are, doubt, that are filled with this doubt that, is, that is, becomes a barrier for them to be able to show. The thing is that truth and light go in hand, right? When we're talking, when we're walking in the truth of God, no fleshly barrier can keep his light from shining brightly through us. But there are other bushels, other barriers that can be less obvious to detect. Remember, um, the, the, uh, we read in the Bible that says Satan, he masquerades, right? Satan masquerades as an angel of light. And he'll use every possible means to keep Christ's light hidden. So the thing is, there's more uh, barriers. So are you hiding your light? And we're going to talk about we're, clo- we're going to be closing soon about the um, other not-so-common barriers. Psalm 133.1 says, How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. Everybody says, Oh, isn't that a beautiful verse? I'll read it again. It's so beautiful. How, ple- how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. Thank you. Listen, there's nothing better. There's nothing better. There's nothing more edifying. There's nothing uh, just so great about knowing and seeing and experiencing the church coming together. We, the church, coming together, gathering and worshiping and fellowshipping, praying together, you know, working together, you know, uh, all for God's glory. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And there's nothing wrong with that. We encourage that. We want you guys to be a part of that, right? There's a, there's a spiritual electricity that believers experience when we all come together, right? We all come together and we worship together. We praise together. We were edified. We're trained. We serve. We work. There's this, like, electricity, spiritual electricity that, 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 uh, that, that we experience collectively, right? And that power, it strengthens us, it nourishes us, but together in him, and, and, and together in him, we find this home for us. You know, you ever leave here like supercharged, like, oh man, I feel good now. It was an amazing experience. I, 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 I feel like God just charged my batteries. I'm ready to take on the world, right? You ever, anyone, anyone, no, anyone? Yes. All right. All right, good. At least you should be feeling that, like, you know, every Sunday at least. At least once a week. At least. Um, What happens is this, though. You see, that feeling, right, that power, that, that energy, that all, all, the, the way that the Holy Spirit has completely um, impacted you on that day, it, it, it needs an outlet. It needs an outlet. Like it's, not, like, it's not so you could take it home and be like, oh, this was so good, and just keep it to yourself. It needs an outlet. 
God equipped his body with his light for his purpose. Now, when we're, <laughs> God's people are called to go out into this dark world. And again, his word says that we are in this world, but we're not of this world. But he's called us out into this dark world to be his lighthouse. I mean, are we not lighthouse? Right? We have that in our church name. It's part of our DNA. We should be shining bright everywhere we go. Beacons of light and truth should be shining through our lives so, this, so, so we can shine light in this shipwrecked world to Christ. That's why it's so important. Like, that's why, that, that's why I've told you guys before, like, don't say, <laughs> you do more damage to the kingdom of God when people say, oh, I'm a Christian, and live a mess. Just, just, just don't say it. Just don't say it. Don't say it. Sometimes bushels come in the form of comfort zones. And to many, the comfort zone is the church. In closing, in closing, I want to just mention five questions to help us reflect, evaluate, compare, or ask ourselves if we have gotten too comfortable in church. Because guess what? It's easy to get comfortable in church. It's easy. So don't feel condemned, don't feel ashamed, don't feel, you know, angry, feel like we're coming at anybody. No, I want, I, let, let's, just, let, let's just see. Let, first, let's identify if we fall in this category. Is it easy for you to speak about Christ with one another? Right? Some of y'all, you know, after church, we hang out. We have the hangout club after church. Some people just, listen, if you don't know, we don't kick people out of church, Right? We stay, we hang out, sometimes food gets ordered, we put tables up, we eat. It's, it's, it's just sometimes what we do. It's for anybody who hangs out, it's for anybody who wants to stay. But in those conversations, we talk about Christ, we talk about life, we talk about just everything, and it's easy, it's easy when we're hanging out to talk about God, right? Is it easy for you to talk about Christ with people in the church, but then when you, you censor yourself, around other people, like at work. Does your language change? Like, is it easy as like, oh, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, and I work, like, yeah, I love Jesus, you know, sometimes, you know. I, I go to church on Sundays. Oh, but do you love Jesus? Oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I go to church. No, but I'm saying, like, are you a Christian? Like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, I go on Sundays. Like, you just don't want to talk about it. When moral or ethical conversations arise, an example, abortion, um, a lot of uh, thing, you know, things like that, and, and, and they arise in mixed groups, do you feel uneasy? Do you, does, do you feel uncomfortable speaking, using biblical truth to shed light on the situation? Oh, I'm not going to use the Bible. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I'll just listen. I mean, I know what the Bible says about that, but I'll just stay quiet. I don't want to offend anybody. While using social media, have you ever avoided <laughs> um, friending people, maybe unsaved people that you were close with because, you know, you're a Christian now, and now you have church stuff on your social media. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing. You don't want them seeing what you're involved in now. Do you ever consider unbelievers the enemy? You know? Well, you know, that's, the, that's our enemy because they don't know Christ. Apart from your interactions with fellow Christians, does your lifestyle look any different than it did before you were saved? We talked about that earlier. If you answered yes to any of those questions, I'm not going to tell you to raise your hand. But you are using the church as the only outlet to live out your faith. 
if you can only talk about Christ in this building with these people, then this is your outlet. This is the only place where you're letting your light shine. So if you want to look at it, pretend I had a, this was a candle. This entire building is the basket. This is the bushel. And your light is being hidden in here. And there are people out there lost, dying, going to hell because you are too timid or afraid or feared or prideful or whatever the case may be to open your mouth to shine light in a dark world. Church, can you stand with me this morning? I want you to stand, but I want you to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine the scenario I'm going to say to you right now. Prayer team, you can make your way up, but open your eyes and then make your way up and then close them. And then close them once you're up here. <laughs> so as you close your eyes, right, I want, you to, I want you to imagine this. You're lost. You're lost. It's, you're lost in a forest and it's a dark and cloudy night. It's cold. The moon can't give you its light. You don't have a smartphone with a camera on it. I mean, with a, with a light, flashlight on it. You don't have a flashlight, and it's dark. With your eyes closed, kind of look down at your hand. Can you see your hand? No, you can't. That's how dark it is in this woods right now. You put the hands in front of you, and you can't even see your own hands. You're struggling, you're bumping around, you're, you're tripping, you're, you're running into trees and bushes and you have no idea where you're at. You're now traveled so far that you've forgotten in which direction you've come from. You don't know which way is north, east, or south and you are lost. Suddenly in the distance, you see a little flickering light. And that flickering light gets closer and closer and closer. And before you realize it, it's a man with a flashlight. And, and, and this guy, he, he, he knows his way through this forest. And, and you knowing that he may be able to help, you start to call him and, and you walk closer to him. As you start speaking with him, the man with the flashlight tells you, like, I'm so familiar with this forest. If you follow me, I can help you through it and navigate you back out of the forest, back to your house. All you need to do is follow me as I shine this light for you to see. You could open your eyes. And the final three questions for us this morning are, one, will you follow this man who's able to give you light? That's one question because some of us, some of us have yet to make that decision to follow the light. Two, will you continue to walk in the darkness although you already know that the man with the flashlight can guide you to where you need to be? When we don't accept Christ, when we don't let him into our lives, we're saying, like, I am going to keep walking in darkness. Although I know you can show me the way, I'm going to be stubborn, and I'm going to do my own thing, and, I'm, I, I, and I choose to not be led. I choose to be lost in this dark world. Or third question, if you've decided to follow Jesus, if you've accepted Christ into your heart already, the question is, will you be that man or woman with the flashlight, helping others to find their way in the midst of this dark world? We are supposed to be the light. There's people lost out there. Are you going to do anything about it, or are you just going to be shine bright in here? Where in here... We all know, we all know the path that leads to, you know, the, tr the path of truth here. But there's people dying that don't. Are you going to be the one holding the flashlight, shining light, so others can be led to Christ? Are you going to do that?
I understand the world is scary, it's dark, it's scary, it's cold, it's unforgiving. It's such a divisive place. But we don't go into this world alone. This is, this is, another, this is another reason why we're even all here together. Because we don't go out into this alone. We have one another to do this. This is our church family. And not only this, even if I find myself by my, even if I find myself by myself one day, I'm still not alone. We just talked about it in, in our worship, you know, in worship. We're not alone. He has overcome the world. He has overcome the world. We are the church that Christ bought at a cost. Great cost. It's time to open these doors and rescue the lost. If you are heading out today, if you look above the doorway, right before you get out, it says you are entering the mission field. Every time we leave this building, we are entering the mission field. We struggle being the light. We don't, there's just so much influence, so much negativity, so much that, 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 that we, we, we love God, we, we want to serve God, we, we want to do the right things, but then all these barriers, you know, fear, pride, complacency, all these things, all these things keep us from being the light that he's called us to be. And it doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you human. But the next step, if you find yourself in this situation, the next step is saying, God, I keep struggling with these barriers. Help me to overcome them. We want to help you overcome the barriers. We want to pray that, that, that God will strengthen you, that he will empower you with, with his Holy Spirit so that you can overcome the barriers that are keeping your light hidden. Thank you.